Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as per joined by John Gibson, Newcastle head down to Goodison Park for a Thursday night game. John was just saying off camera there, it's a little bit of a weird one, isn't it, John? It certainly is. Um, it was a little bit of a weird one against Spurs as well, in, in as much as we're 5-0 up in uh, in 21 minutes. Um, <clears throat> I think we... We both sort of said we fancied this was the ideal game for Newcastle after Villa. High profile against a, a quality side, so would be up for it, but so flaky it's untrue, Spurs, and therefore very vulnerable if we have the right attitude. But in no way did we expect 21 minutes on the clock and 5-0. It was absolutely fabulous. It was a brilliant performance. And in many ways, John, even though it is a, a quick turnaround, they've got Everton, then they've got Southampton on, on Sunday. After you've won 6-1 against a direct rival, you want the games to come thick and fast, don't you? There'll be no question about tired in the players being tired. They'll all. want the next game as soon as possible. Not at all. Uh, absolutely. Um, because you're in such a rich frame of form. And you've got to remember, that's something like, six wins in the last seven. You know, we got clouded by Aston Villa, but it's six wins in the last seven. We were on five on the bounce, weren't we, before Villa? Um, so that the Spurs wasn't a one-off. It was resorting to to normal uh, plays being resumed. Uh, and you do want it as quickly as possible. And, of course... We've got to get rid of we've got to get used to this if uh, well not if we're in Europe next season, when we're playing in the Champions League. Not if the Europa League either, when we're playing in the Champions League, because that is where we'll be next season. We expected a response from Newcastle United after the defeat to Villa. Did you expect that kind of response? I was expecting it to be positive. I was expecting it to be front foot, and I was expecting it to be from the kickoff, which was absolutely essential because we'd started sloppy in the last two games. But no one connect. I mean, if you remember Jacob Murphy when he put that Howard in uh, to make a three nil, the expression on his face, you know, he couldn't believe it, and he was asked about it, and he said. It wasn't that he couldn't believe that he could shoot like that and score, but he couldn't believe there were three up so quickly. And if they can't believe it, could we? And you looked at the wide-eyed guys on the terraces, wide-eyed in delight, in delight and in absolute amazement, it had been so quick. It took my mind back, because <clears throat> when you're my age, you, your mind can always drift back to some similar situation because you've seen so much. 
1996, which was our best result against Spurs ever. We beat Spurs up at St James's Park 7-1, and it was KK's entertainers. Um, but they did it the other way around. They were only 2-0 up at half-time. Then they blasted Spurs in the second half. This was more sensational because we just blew them away right from the start. Um, and it wasn't just sensational. It was the wonderful football played. And, I mean, if you have seen a better assist anywhere than Joe Willocks, and I mean anywhere, not just Newcastle United players, then please tell me because I would like to watch it on uh, YouTube because that was nothing short of sensational. And, and all credit to Isaac for getting on his bike and making the run, but finding him over that sort of distance without side of your boot, dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, send that down to uh, Gareth Southgate pretty quickly. Well, on yesterday's podcast, uh, me and Aaron discussed about potentially founding the uh, the Joe Willick Assist Appreciation Club. It was that good of an assist. I actually do want to ask you, John, though, because there's been some debate about the best Newcastle United assist and Terry Hibbert's against um, uh, against Burnley in the FA Cup uh, has been mentioned. Uh, Joe Willicks or Terry Hibbert's uh, pass for Supermac? Ter terrific, terrific question because that was a ball played out of our penalty area to Hibbert who didn't take a touch and met it about waist high and just guided it. And like Isaac, um, Supermac had made the run. Um, you know, because he knew when the ball was going to Hibbert, he would get it. And and so did so did Isaac. I've got to be truthful, and I've been a Hibby fan all my life and a Supermac fan, but Willick for me. Willick for you. I went I went, I went way, to Hibby. If you can say that anything is better than Hibby, and you saw it uh, live, the Hibby thing, because that's the test, isn't it? When you watch them later, you watch them through eyes that I know this is going to be a good pass. Let's say it, but it's the shock and of seeing the great pass initially, unexpectedly. And I've got to say that I think uh, will it just nix it because it was a heck of a thing to do with the outside of your right boot. Hibbert could direct it with his best peg. It was he a heck of a thing to do that. And um, it was a thing of beauty, there's no question. But there were so many things of beauty in that game. I mean, I've never known so many men of the match. There wasn't a man of the match. There was about five men of the match. And, you, you, you know, you could. it was paper thin, uh, the difference between one and another. I mean, the most amazing thing about it was after the game, uh, I was going down into a pub in Newcastle with Malcolm McDonald to talk to Newcastle fans. We did a gig before the game, talking about how we thought the game would go. And then we went back after the game to talk to the fans in the pub about what we'd seen. And apart from the Newcastle fans being all ecstatic, quite surprisingly, because the, the, the pub was close to the central station, there was a few Spurs fans in who identified themselves immediately we walked in, etc., etc., and were absolutely terrific. They weren't vicious, they weren't nasty, they weren't um, uh, drunk-related, carry-on. They were good. And I was talking to them as, as well as the rest of us, and I said at one stage to the Spurs fans, I said, look, I know what it's like for you at the moment, but because we've had it for so long. Uh, I said, but get it right in the boardroom. 
get it right in the manager's office and the good players you've got will become even better players Almiron and Joe Linton, etc., etc., and other good players will come and join you because of the club you are. And I said, you can be next season or this season after what we are now. Can you imagine saying, and got a round of applause from Spurs fans, can you imagine saying that to Spurs fans a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, keep going and you can be as good as we are? Uh, Newcastle United talking to Spurs. But it is that way with them and it's that way with us. What has changed has been quite phenomenal. And as I say, the the nobody had a bad game on on Sunday. And there was just some people had a better game than others. But I mean, it, you know, whether you pick Willick, whether you pick Joe Linton, whether you pick Murphy, whether you pick Isaac for man of the match, nobody would complain because they were all men of the match. Yeah, when I was walking past Shira's bar, John, after the game, there was a, a lone Spurs fan in uh, the middle of uh, some very happy Newcastle United fans. And he was he was singing a song that I won't repeat, but it was describing just how bad Spurs were. He was having a jolly good time of it and Newcastle fans were loving it as well. So um, I think they're well aware of just how bad they were. Um, oh, but- I mean, the, the one nearly... The, the- their part of the stadium was virtually empty after about long before 20 minutes. And um, the Spurs fans I was just talking about with you, I think watched the second half from the pub that I was going down to because they just had enough of being in the stadium. But it's just ironic, isn't it, that I'm sort of giving advice to them. Don't worry, it'll come right. You've got to get it right in the boardroom which we've done you've got to get a right in the manager's office which we've done do that and you'll be back up there um and afterwards i think this is getting ludicrous newcastle united are now giving advice to spurs on how to get out of a mess um because two years ago it was us that would be said to be in a mess not spurs but there we are times change and aren't we grateful yeah, we are certainly. And, and another club that you could give advice to as well would be Everton. You know, they've for many years spent a lot of lot of money and they're the prime example of how not to spend a boatload of cash. They're in yeah. deep, deep trouble in the relegation zone, 18th in the league, 28 points. If we thought Spurs was chaotic off the pitch, then Everton is definitely up there. And the first point I want to make, John, before we talk about maybe the advice you could give to Everton is... Isn't it nice that we're not talking about Newcastle being on the back pages for chaotic decisions in the boardroom? We're talking about Spurs or we're talking about Everton and Newcastle. Totally. Just going swimmingly. Yeah, totally. It's it's terrific. And it's long overdue, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> good for everybody that's produced this at St. James's Park. Um, and it is terrific to do that because Spurs and Everton, and I'll include Everton in this, are big, big clubs of history and and they are shambles. And that is what irritated me originally about Newcastle. First of all, it was down to uh, Saudi owners and then it was down to big cash injections. No, it wasn't down to big cash injections. Newcastle haven't gone berserk and spent ridiculously. Um, Spurs have spent as much as Newcastle have spent, but not as wisely. And Everton have, have spent a darn sight more, and even worse in terms of it's okay spending money, but you've got to spend it right. 
And we have spent it right on people like Bruno and Botman and Byrne and Pope and, uh, and Isaac. We have spent it right. Everton have not spent it right whatsoever. <clears throat> Ironically, I think funnily enough, and I, I thought this before the game with Spurs as well, I think physically and mentally Everton will give us a bigger challenge than Spurs because they're not good enough. They're down the bottom, your famous phrase, they're down the bottom for a reason, and that's because they aren't good enough. Um, uh, and they're far from that, and they can't buy a goal. But I tell you what, the hearts won't be the size of a pea, which is what Spurs hearts were. They'll battle at home, at home, not away, at home, Spurs will battle. We've just got to match that, and then our su superiority ought to take over. But they'll not be as flaky as Spurs. Yeah, Everton certainly will. I think give Newcastle uh, at least a, a battle on the on the physical side of things. And, it, and what will help Everton as well, John, is that they have got a manager who you suspect, even if they go down, he'll stay. He's going to give them an identity. I'm a big fan of of Sean Dyche. With Spurs, Stellini's now gone. It's the Eddie Howe uh, effect as it was after they beat Southampton as well. Um, but with Spurs, it, it, it was always a stopgap. And you, you wonder how that impacts the game plan on the day, but also the mindset going towards the end of the season. Whereas with, with Everton, I think they'll be a bit, bit more organised. You know, they know they're playing in a system which will be their next season because that's the way Sean Dyche wants to play. And look, he's a good manager. He will really have them up for this game at home in front of their, their faithful and also knowing, you know, they cannot really afford to drop any more points because they are they are deep, deep in trouble. I mean, if they are going to stay up, it's only the home record will keep them up because they're very, very poor travellers. Almost as poor travellers in some ways as Nottingham Forest who are down there, who are awful travellers. And it will be the home form. It'll be the home organisation and it'll be the home crowd behind them uh, giving them huge support because they don't give them the stick that they were getting towards the end of Frank Lampard, etc., etc. They'll be with Sean Dice. Sean Dice is an excellent manager for a club that's in the position of it in. I wouldn't want Sean Dice, with utmost respect to him, to take over Newcastle United tomorrow if all of a sudden, for some reason, heaven forbid, Eddie wasn't here. Because I don't know that he... And it hasn't been proved one way or another because he's never had the opportunity. But I don't know he's a top four manager. But he's certainly a great manager for getting you out of the sort of mess you're in and making sides, mid-table sides, who are really relegation-threatened sides, i.e. Burnley, for years. Uh, so he's perfect for what they want. And Eddie Howe's perfect for what we want. Thank you very much for listening to the episode so far, Andrew Muscovy. I just want to point you guys in the direction of a live event that we're holding on May the 25th. That's a Thursday night. We'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre myself and Newcastle United writer Kieran Kelly and Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes and our chief Newcastle United writer Lee Ryder. The Daily Mirror Simon Bird will also be on the panel. But to kick things off, we'll have a club legend with us. Arguably one of the best crosses of the ball ever to play in black and white. Alan Shearer is a massive fan of this man. 
it is Norberto Solano. This is your opportunity to come and meet a Newcastle United legend and talk about all things Newcastle United with our panel. Hopefully, by that time, Newcastle will have secured top four football, so there's going to be plenty to talk about. The brilliant season so far, what's to come in the summer transfer window, and then those nights on the continent, hopefully against Barcelona or an Inter Milan. It's going to be a great night. To secure your ticket, hit that link in the description to this episode and head over to eventbrite.com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you. We can't wait to see you. It's going to be a great evening, raising really important funds as well for the Newcastle United fans food bank. So hit that link, secure your ticket, and we look forward to seeing you on May the 25th. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everton have last won six games ago. Uh, They've won two in ten. I mean, their form is absolutely shocking. They've been unlucky in games. I watched that Manchester United game. Um, a few weeks back, and I'm I'm about to sneeze. Sorry, two seconds. Oh, am I? No, I'm all right. <laughs> it was all right there. I was going to compliment the opposition, and I was allergic to it. I'm all right. Um, yeah, I watched that my night game, and even though they lost, you know, they had their chances. And it, I think, what lets them down is that, and it, it's quite similar to what was wrong with Newcastle, you know, 18 months ago. That the the few chances they did create, they don't finish, and against top teams when chances are at a premium, you've got to make sure that you put the ball in the back of the net. And that's just something Everton cannot do. Yeah, that that and scoring goals, don't we know it from a couple of seasons back when, you know, we couldn't get top scorers to get into double figures almost. And uh, and that's completely changed. Um, I don't want to push my luck too much and jinx them and get Calvert-Lewin suddenly getting off his sick bed and... Uh, finding his goal-scoring touch again. But no, they can't score goals. And then, you know, it, it, they can go down saying, hey, well, we created chances in games, we just didn't take them. Hard lines, that's what football's about. You score them at one end, keep them out the other, and they're not good at, at putting them in, at t'other end. So all things being equal, they, the next two games are exactly opposite of, of Spurs uh, for Newcastle. Everton away, Southampton at home. Two sides currently, as we speak, in the bottom three, fighting for their very lives, but as we famously say, down there for a reason. And can't hold a, can't hold a candle to Newcastle United. Newcastle United's top four. They're bottom three, both of them. Uh, but you've still got to go out and do it on the day because at least you'll get some fight out of both those clubs and you've got to match that and overcome them despite that. Because the biggest thing in these two matches is the fight that they will produce. And in Everton's case, the help they'll get from the crowd. Southampton are ways, but um, Everton will get some help from the crowd. But if you look at us on Sunday, dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, we should be strutting down to uh, Goodison. We should, but I'm sure, as Eddie Howe will be telling the players this week, is that you can't get complacent. You can't rest on your on your laurels. You you know this is a totally different game, as you mentioned there. How easy will it be for Eddie Howe to drill that message into the players? 
You know, Sunday against Spurs, you were brilliant, but that's gone now. That's in the past. We're against Everton, as you say, at home at Goodison, fans behind them, scrapping for their lives. Totally different game. How easy will it be, Freddie Howe, to make sure his players do not get complacent? Dead easy, because they're not that way inclined to start with. Each and every one of them are not that way inclined. People like Almiron and Joe Linton and Shaw, if he's there, bless him, etc., uh, etc., et know the bad times at Newcastle. So the Champions League must be as much utopia to them as it is to us. People like Bachmann and, and uh, Bruno have never been big-time Champions League, big-time with a 50,000-following club, I'm talking about not playing in France. Um, they, they have, so that's new to them. Trippier is the only one that knows what it's all about, really. And by Joe, what an excellent leader he is. His feet will never leave the ground and he'll make certain other people still can die there. So I think I think it's one of the easiest tasks uh, Eddie Howe has. And I think the exact opposite way on it was an easy task as well. It, they were so almost humiliated as a one-off by their lack of performance at Aston Villa and as a one-off it can happen that I think it was very easy for Eddie to re uh, turn the clock and make them think, right, that's yesterday's news, today's news, as we go out against Spurs and we put them to the book. I think he's already got that in the squad. I call it the three musketeer squad, one for all and all for one. And, and that is the way Newcastle United are. And by the way, it didn't it show that that is the way Spurs aren't. And that was the huge difference between the two sides. Well, you, you said it last week, you know, there's one thing Newcastle have got in abundance that Spurs don't have and is that unity on, on, on the pitch. And you, you were you were spot on, John. So I don't like to say that too often, but you, you were, you were <laughs> you right. You say it too often. But yes, it's, it, it's true of, of Spurs. And that's one of the problems that they've got. But that's their problem. That's not our problem. But I think Everton will certainly match us mentally much more than, than Spurs did. They'll give it a go, but they haven't got the equipment. If we match them in attitude, and I don't doubt for one second we will, we've got more in our army than they've got in theirs without a shadow of doubt. Yeah, I, I expect that, that them to be much more unified on the pitch than, than Spurs were. We, we talked about the goals that they've scored, John Everton, and it's funny, I've just uh, brought up the, the stats here. Anthony Gordon remains their third top goal scorer this season with three goals. That tells you uh, a story about how bad it is for Everton. They've got Damari Gray top with six goals. He can't even get in the in the starting 11. I know he started the last game, but they're expecting players back. So with everyone fit, he's unlikely to start, I think. Um, you know, De Decore, a good player in that midfield. But, you know, no one, in, no one scored more than six goals in the league. Um, I suppose... The one person look at these stats you might want to try and keep quiet, who has I think really excelled under Sean Dyche from what I've seen, is is Alex Awobi. He's likely to be the man on on the right side for Everton, which means he'll come up for Dan Byrne. But John, I don't think we're going to have to ask the question this week because I don't think it is a question. Dan Byrne starts at left back. That's that's a statement. That's fact. Uh, it's fact, Nelly Howe's mind. All the time. It's never been up for discussion. It's been up for discussion with us. And uh, I think it's been up for discussion with uh, Newcastle United fans, but not with Eddie Howe. 
And I mean, you know, he likes to play unchanged teams anyway. And if you've just won 6-1, it's easy to say unchanged of everybody's fit, isn't it? And the only thing that would produce a change it would be if if Bruno's ankle was playing up yet again and doesn't he want to keep fighting on. He doesn't want to come off. He is so aggravated and annoyed that this ankles keep recurring, but he's, he's, he's big-hearted about it. Shaw's the one that we, we've got to worry about, and often is physically. Uh, you know, has he got a hammy, etc. But just coming back to scoring goals and saying how Everton can't, isn't it wonderful how we can? I mean, we have struggled for goals. We've now got three guys who are as warm as it can be, in all in double figures. We've got Almiron on 11, we've got Wilson on 11, and we've got Isaac on 10. Isaac has 10 goals from 11 starts plus four sub-appearances. He is, he is a different class, and he's going to end up Newcastle's top scorer. He's third in the list now, but he's going to overtake Almiron and Wilson. Why? Because Almiron's not going to get a bundle of goals because he a bundle more goals in the one end because he plays wide and he's got to get back in the starting side. And, of course, Wilson doesn't start automatically anymore. Isaac's going to end up Newcastle's top scorer. And what a player he is, by the way. Yeah, looking at the real deal. I'll ask you about how, how Everton's defence will handle Isaac. But I'm, I'm going to come back to Dan Byrne. I, 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 we're going to need some praise from John. He had a, he had a really good game against Spurs. Well, Dan Byrne. Yes, of course. Of course he did. Um but, I mean, he's got a heart the size of a frying pan. They have a heart the size of a pea. Now, a frying pan will always beat the pea into submission, won't it? I mean, you know, if he's going to get taken, and heaven forbid, and I wouldn't be negative, he was terrific. If he's going to get taken, it's going to be by a pacey winner who actually wants to have a go. Where does Spurs find one of them? That's I mean, very true, very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if... If it is a Warby, it might be McNeil, but I think it'll be a Warby and uh, be, a, be a good battle there. But I'm, I'm backing Dan Byrne to, to win that battle. Um, Everton then, you know, they've got two strong centre-backs, uh, Michael Keane and Tarkovsky. It will be interesting to see how one of them handles Isaac. Not many defenders have managed to do it so far. And then I guess as well, how Newcastle will handle set pieces because they are a danger in the air. I mean, they're giants. You know, they, their strong point is heading so the ball. Are we. So yeah, are we. Very giants. true. Yeah, so very are true. we giants. And and you say now, will the Everton, two Everton centre-halves manage Isaac with difficulty, mate? Because, they, because Isaac is too, too mobile for them. He, he drags people around. He runs in behind. He, his clever movement is quick. When you're two hammer thrower centre-halves, as good as they are, and they're terrific for a, a relegation battle, they've done it all the time at flipping Burnley, you know, haven't they? You know, they're good for a relegation battle. But the last player you want to play against, they're more equipped to handle Callum Wilson, although I think they would do it with difficulty, than they are to handle Isaac. Isaac, is a nightmare for, for them, the way he plays. There's far too much movement. He's, he's too quick. He drags people around. He's never standing still. Um, he is a headache for them. He, he really is. They'll, they'll be lying awake the next two nights thinking about him. Mm, yeah, I mean, he's a headache for, for most people. And isn't it wonderful that Eddie Howe's got these options on options? I mean, you kind of already said it, John. 
The only real change you can see happening is Fabian Schen being enforced one if this hamstring um, does keep him out of the side against against Everton. And, and in many ways, even if it's, you know, it, it might not be worth the risk and, you know, you, you might take him out even if he doesn't really need to and then make sure he's all right for Sunday's game against Southampton. Do you think that could be a possibility? Well, that's the, the problem is, and it all depends on the injury. I mean, if at all possible, if he was as fit as it's possible to be, it would be an unchanged team. A, he likes unchanged teams. B, certainly if they've won. And C, when he won 6-1, why would anybody want to change a team? Um, so the only change would be Shaw. If he was... Hammy's a, a very vulnerable, iffy things. Um, and it's two games in next number of days. You're going Thursday and Sunday against two sides that their very lives are on the line. So, yes... Um, you could keep Shaw for Sunday. I mean, you presume that they would play Lascelles and, and make it a straight one change, like for like, if you like. And I don't think they've got a sort of tricky centre-forward. Lascelles will battle Calvert-Lewin or whoever plays up, up there OK. So... Unless Bruno's suddenly collapsed in training and with his ankle, dear, oh dear, you never know, do you? But he's kept going magnificently well. And I think he's he's trying not to be Devin Locke. You know, he's done the whole course twice of the Grand National and he's on the home straight. And he just wants to keep going to the end of the season. Then he can get some sun on his back. He can rest his ankle and he can come back the real deal again. And he's done terrific under very, very difficult circumstances because he's carried game after game after game. And I think he will continue to do that if at all possible. So the only change would be, sure, I don't think for one second that the manager will start Anthony Gordon back at, at Everton. A, there's no need to because Newcastle have done terrific out wide. B, Probably Almiron, if you were going to change one uh, out-wide position, and it won't be for Everton, would be the one you put back in because he's top scorer. But see, I wouldn't play Anthony Gordon at Everton as well, but uh, for one very good reason. The greatest hope Everton have got is that the crowd are their famous 12th man. That the crowd so desperate for Everton to stay up because I haven't been relegated since... You know, Brill Cream was out and long studs. So they are not, they're desperate not to go down. And um, we don't need to rattle their cage. And Anthony Gordon on the pitch would be like a red rag no bull to the Everton crowd because the way he left Everton, it was perceived by them to leave Everton to come to us. So him kicking off against them, they would be clawing up the walls, the crowd. And we don't need that. We as a team don't need that. We've just got to settle them down and we win. We've just got to get hold of them and put them on the back burner, the crowd, and we win. So we don't want to make it even harder by giving them Gordon on the field to go crackers about every time he touches the ball. Might go on as a sub later on. Uh, who knows? But no, I don't think it would be a good idea to start him for that one reason and not good for the boy. It would be a bad experience. But in any case, you don't change a 6-1. It's It picks itself. Yeah, yeah. Good options to have off the bench. And look, regular listeners to this podcast know uh, me and Aaron regularly refer to Monday night football. And 
last night was Monday Night Football. And I pulled my hamstring. So, Fabian, you're listening. I can feel the pain. Coming up these stairs this morning was a was not was not pretty. So I can, I know what Fabian's going through. Us, us um, elite athletes, John, it happens, you know, it happens. Well, yes, I mean, you know, when you are an international athlete, Premier League athlete, these sort of things do happen to you because you're a thoroughbred racehorse. And I can thoroughly understand that, Andrew, and I've been waiting with trepidation for you to tell me about an injury that you've suffered on a Monday night before. So there we are. So the pair of you can rest up till the following game if necessary. Yeah, if I'm needed for Southampton, Eddie, I'm um, I'm, I'm willing to take the call. Um, we know in the past, John, Newcastle United, the fan base has been in a similar predicament to Everton, not happy with the board, not happy with the owner, want to voice their concerns, have done, but it, it doesn't it doesn't help the team in many ways. And I, and look, anyone listening to this who quite rightly, you know, did a walkout, didn't go back under Mike Ashley. I'm not having a go at you at all because I was one of those as well. But looking back, you look back at that Cardiff game, you know, when Alan Pardew couldn't even come out the dugout. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. But I just wonder, you know, there's there's a threat of ever being a really bad atmosphere um, from an Everton point of view on Thursday. There's talking about protests outside the ground. You imagine an early goal for Newcastle and things will turn nasty. You know, it's got the, um, the, the the possibility to really play into Newcastle's hands, hasn't it? The, the, oh, the feeling towards the owners. It has. It has. And, but that's the difference, isn't it? It's the feeling in amongst Evertonians towards the owners. Um, and the way a lot of Evertonians would like to see it is that they will protest like jolly, jolly, jolly before the game and after the game but they'll get 100% behind their players during the game because they don't want their club in the Championship. Because if I tell you what, you go in the Championship, you don't come back automatically just because Burnley have or whatever. It doesn't happen with a lot of clubs. And I mean, there was two clubs in the North East that's trying to come back now, but Sunderland and Middlesbrough, when they left the Premier League, are taking an awful long time to come back to the Premier League. And there's been uh, scores of... You've just got to look at the second division... Uh, and and League One, Portsmouth and Sheffield Wednesday and all these sides that were Premier League sides, they don't come back quickly. So because you have it and it's not automatic. And so I think the Jew in the game, I, I, you're absolutely right. Until Newcastle take the lead and get a stranglehold on it, they'll stay with the team 110% because that's the best chance Everton have got. While Hamwin the the uh, the board beforehand and no doubt if they're two nil down or three nil down with an hour gone and they then know the match is a lost cause they will turn on the board there's no question about that um but you know every team down the bottom doesn't like the situation at the bottom and they, they will turn on either a the manager or b the board because somebody will be blamed for where they are and it is the board at Everton and has been horrendously so. But in the main, I think they're behind the players and they're behind Daesh. Yeah, well, they're going to need to be on. They're going to need all the help they can get to, to beat yeah. Newcastle United. Um, as we've said there, we don't expect any changes unless Shaw um, has to miss out for that hamstring um, injury. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's well, we don't even have to undo the team, John, because we, we, we largely no, expect we to be the one that beat Spurs 6-1. Um, 
I, you know, it's it's amazing. I was saying this on on the, the episode yesterday. When Newcastle win in such fashion, there feels less to talk about because you're not talking about them having to really dig in deep. You're not talking about them, you know, winning in the last minute. It was it was not even a battle against Spurs, and Newcastle were brilliant, and you have to beat what's out in front of them. Um, but you do feel like you've got a little bit less to talk about. It's true. I mean, as as journalists, as hacks. I mean, when I won all my national awards, it was often for standing up against Ashley and getting on a soapbox and risking the wrath of Newcastle United themselves against Ashley or against one of the managers and and saying your piece because you've got more to write about, because you can get passionate about it, because you can show courage in standing up on behalf of the fans against the... the, uh, hierarchy and when things are wonderful like this there's less to talk about what's the team going to be oh unchanged what was it six one yeah what do we do oh we'll win again and there's less to but you know what it's wonderful take it from an old so-and-so like me andrew when you've had about 30 years of being the world's greatest writer on failure to uh, i've said to people at the end of last season they said gibbo but you know it's it it's not so meaty. I says, I'll tell you what, just let Newcastle win every week. Let me go into print to say, isn't it wonderful? Isn't the board wonderful? Isn't the manager wonderful? Aren't the players wonderful? Which one will we say is wonderful this week? And let us go out on Saturday and win again. By Jove, do I need that? And we've got it. And you know what? We still haven't won anything yet, so there's still a lot to look forward to because we will be winning things. And I tell you what, at this stage of my career, that's terrific. I do, I can find something to talk about. Just wind me up and I'll wax lyrical about uh, which you throw me Joe Linton, you throw me Bruno, you throw me Pope and Botman, and um, you throw me Isaac, and I'll talk for 25 minutes about how wonderful that is compared with the people in their position about three or four years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't doubt it for a second, John. I don't <laughs> doubt it for a second. Um, well, the only question that remains is how will it go against Everton? Yeah, it certainly does. And I'm going to give my usual answer, which is we're going to win. Um, and I honestly think we will. I think it'll be a, more of a battle early doors because the expression that exists in football and is regularly trotted out that you've got to earn the right to play that's what Newcastle have got to do from the kickoff. they've got to earn the right to play they've got to match the muscle for muscle I don't mean being dirty I mean being courageous deciding we are going to dictate we're not going to allow you to dictate to give the crowd nothing to hang on to like an early goal for Everton and we've got to earn the right to play. But if we earn the right to play, you just look at the two teams man for man and tell me why Newcastle won't win. If we earn the right to play, we win because we've got better individuals. And, you know, however much you dress up football, that's what it comes down to. Have we got better players than you? Are we as organised as you tactically? And have we got as much courage as you? If the answer to those three questions is yes, yes, and yes, you win. And I'm taking Newcastle to win 2-0. Do you know what? I'm taking Newcastle United to win as well because I think we're at the stage now where the old Newcastle fan of me, which is always expecting a banana peel in Newcastle to slip truly onto it and land on the backside, he's disappeared. And um, 
I'm going to go for a Newcastle United win. And, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think it'll be a tough hard fought one. It, uh, it will be. It will be. Um, it won't. We're not. I tell you what. We're not going to be five nil up in twenty one minutes. I think that's for certain. But the bottom line is the bottom line. And by the way, Champions League football is ours to lose. You look at the league table, it's ours to lose. And unless we are extremely careless in the next seven games, unless we are extremely careless, we've got it. And by Jove, is that something? It's 20 years since we've been in the Champions League. Uh, we've got to do a Devon lock and for the older uh, listeners and viewers I'll just remind them that is the very famous racehorse that went round the 20 odd jumps in the Grand National went round them twice and was so far ahead and was running up the straight to the winning post and suddenly got spooked and went collapsed on all fours uh, and didn't win unless we do that because we are in the home straight we are in the Champions League and um, the first thing you think is that you don't get beat when you go to Everton. And the second thing is you win. And I think we'll win 2-0. And I don't know if you want to give a score. but I, And I was going to say that that shows you the confidence. Often it's, yeah. it's a win, draw or a uh, loss. And you've gone yeah. for a score prediction. So um, there we go. 2-0 to Newcastle United. Hopefully you are right, John. Um, thank you as always for popping on to the match preview to you guys listening. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all your latest Newcastle United news and hit that follow button on your podcast provider and leave us a rating and review if you get the chance as well. Enjoy the rest of your week.